God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Turn around. Just wave to each other. Amen. Good to see you here this evening. A lot of things been happening this week, this month, as we carry on our journey into 2024. Welcome. Nice to see you here today. Amen. God bless you. Blessing to see you. Amazing that you connection, the divine connection. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank everyone who's, who supported yesterday's event. It was amazing. We had a lot of young people come through and demonstrate their skills and their talents and set goals for themselves. Because if you don't have goals, you've got nowhere to go. You know, there's directions in life. So we're, we're pleased. And I want to thank all the coaches and people watching live stream. Uh, as you know, this is a Bible study. So we just welcome everyone to be a part of tonight's uh, service and message as we journey on to the weekend. And God is doing so many different things locally, nationally, and internationally. And we thank God on this day for everything that God is doing. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I get, get sent an announcement earlier on today to say that if you can make Sunday and people watching live stream, we have a special celebration. We are ordaining Chris Van Navas in the office of deacon, added to the church. And later on, we're also ordaining uh, Rivas as well. John C. Is it John C.? Rivas John C. as well into the office of the... Because we're adding... The church is always add-on. You know, it's and-and. It's not either-or. You don't take away one thing to put something else. You just build on the foundation that we have. Praise God. I'd, I'd like to invite you all desire to serve the purpose of God. Because it's responsibility. It's, it's the best uh, position to have. It's an eternal thing. It begins here, but it culminates, it's fulfilled in eternity, praise God. Serve an eternal purpose, not something temporary. Yeah, we have goals in this life, but serve something eternal that involves body, soul, and spirit in our, who we are, praise God. God bless you. I'm going to just, because of, the, because of um, the, the ordination on Sunday, I want to just touch upon some aspects of Scripture which relate to people's responsibility yeah we have a response god wants everyone to serve his purpose it's not necessarily just how how qualified we are in the natural god qualifies us to serve his particular purpose in fact the apostles uh, before they moved on to really fulfill their purpose and their ministry their office they had to learn there was discipleship and he called them to be deacons a deacon all, all the word deacon means to be a servant to serve others, to live the sacrificial life, the selfless life, not the selfish life as we see around the world today, the selfless life in, in the world around it, and do something which is, has an eternal uh, you know, value to it, praise God. And in fact, if we go to Acts chapter 4, now we'll look at relation to the life of the apostles, and we, look, we read from verse 11, which speaks about the stone. Let's go in here. This is the stone which the, the builders, which, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And that's the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was God. He became man in order to serve. He says, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and offer myself as a ransom to many. And he has done that, fulfilled that in his life. And verse 12, we read this. Now, there, now is there salvation in any other nor is there their salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Next verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled 
and they realized that they had been with Jesus, praise God. And interestingly, it wasn't, they were not qualified, they didn't graduate out of the rabbinical universities in Jerusalem or in Israel. They were at the feet of Jesus, and that was that's what's most importantly, because when you come to God, it's not just what we study academically, what we know in our intellect, it's the revelations we receive in that connection with God, which is very important. And even as I speak to you now, I know the Holy Spirit does something through us, permeates and speaks into our lives in, in, in special ways, in spiritual ways that you cannot always explain verbally, but you just trust God because you experience him, praise the Lord. So I want to touch upon... Um, the subject for Sunday, look at what the responsibilities of servitude are. And if we go to Acts chapter 6, I want to take this slowly so we all keep together. As I said, this is a Bible study to learn and draw from the Word of God. Amen? And we have a special message for Sunday as well. But let me just put this as a foundation for the Sunday message. And it says, Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there rose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the, in the daily distribution. So when they were coming together, there was problems. They were favorite, there was favoritism. They served the ones who were close to them or related to them. The others, they ignored, neglected other people. And often you see this in the world. You know, it's all partial. There's partiality. And then verse 2 says this. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Yeah, uh, basically the apostles' role was to minister the word of God, to preach the gospel, the good news of salvation, and others were supposed to support that, uphold that, in order for them to be free, to re- take away all the restraints, so they could minister the word of God unhampered. It's very important that we're not distracted, like this, this bell's going all the time. We don't want distractions, so someone needs to tend to these things, yeah? Amen. So God wants to take all the obstacles away so they can serve the purpose of God. And verse 3 says this. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Amen. So look, so there's roles in the church. There's responsibilities that each person takes according to their ability and according to the gifting that God has given them. Yeah. So we have a mode of function. Everyone functions in a different way, praise God. Amen? So if you're in the aeroplane, you have the pilot, you have the stewardesses, you have different people having different roles, mechanics and so forth. So we need to know the mode of our function and operation and the gifting we've received from God. A hammer trying to be a screwdriver won't work. Even though you can use the screwdriver as a hammer, it's made specifically for that particular purpose. I wish I'm speaking to someone. And each one of us, we are part of a bigger body. And we need to, we're like a part of a jigsaw puzzle to fit in the place to give the message of God, not our message, but God's message into the world, to impact the world through serving God within the mold, the function God has called us to operate within. If you're a teacher, don't try to be a prophet. If you're an evangelist, don't try to be a pastor, unless you have the fivefold ministry. You could be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You can be all these things. If God's called you into that, praise God. But we need to understand and know where our lane is and flow smoothly, move ahead smoothly in serving the purpose of God. And the problem is often people try to take positions which are not theirs. And there's no big position or small position in the house of God. Yeah? Because if you have a watch, a watch, you know, 
put together with all the little cogs and springs and little screws and so forth, if you just take one of those little, the smallest minutest screw out of the watch, the bigger parts will not be able to function. So every person's role is as important as the others. There's nothing too big and there's nothing too small in serving the purpose of God. Amen? So they say, look, seek among yourself seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He will appoint over this business. And what, that's what God is looking for. People who are open to receive his spirit, to have the wisdom of God that flows through that connection with God. Because before you come to God, the decisions we make oftentimes are off the mark, are sometimes wrong. We have oversights, but it's not we're looking for the spiritual lens to see ahead, to see where we should really be or what God really wants for our lives. Because we think what's good, and we do what's good in relation to us. But what's good in relation to us might not be good in relation to God. I wish I'm speaking to someone. Something that we think is good may be bad, and something like bad may be good, because we're looking from a limited position, this position, looking out into the world. Because of David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, I shall not want. You go to 23, Psalm 23, verse 1, he says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, God, there's a difference between a want and a need. Yeah? When, you, when God is your shepherd, there's the things you don't really want because God provides our every need. In fact, he says he gives us what we want. We don't even have to ask him. He'll provide our needs if we align ourselves with him. Amen. Let me just go back to Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Very interesting how, what, what Luke writes because the gospel of or the Acts of the Apostles is written by, by Luke, the evangelist. So he says, uh, so the qualifications to just be a, a waiter, amazing, in the house of God. What are the qualifications? It, you have to have a good reputation, your character, yeah, you have to have good character. Having a responsibility and having a good character are two different things. Yeah? Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you've got a good character. Oftentimes, so people with titles fall off the, off, the, off the wagon or go off the rails because they're still driven by their carnality and not, not allowing God to lead them. So just having a position means nothing. That's why don't just, just because someone calls themselves a reverend or a bishop or a pastor, don't just drop your guard and think that that's fine. Discern, see the fruit of the tree. Yeah, because the devil comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Isn't that right? We've got to be careful. We're living in, in, in sensitive times at the moment. Everything, anything goes today. And they dilute the word of God. When they came out of Egypt, God gave them instruction from Moses. He said, when you sacrifice the lamb, there's a particular way you have to prepare it. You mustn't boil it. You mustn't eat it raw. But you must prepare it with fire. Yeah? You can't eat it raw. Because the letter kills, and you cannot boil it with water because that means diluting the word of God. You've got to eat it with fire. It's got to be caught with the fire of the Holy Spirit to actually be it so you can understand it spiritually. And there's a process. There's, God has an order, and we've got to follow his order. If we overlook an, a, a detail of God, it could be detrimental to our well-being and move forward. That's what we need to pray. So even what you hear from the pulpit, you, could, you, could have a, you have a responsibility to go back and examine the word and the message, align it to the word of God, and see, is it exactly, does it, does it, does it, is it, is it confirmed by the word of God? 
Just because we say, doesn't, don't just take it on face value. Go back and do your own neology, do your own prayers and your own reflection and see, is, does it align with the word of God? Or is it off the mark? And we've got to be careful. We ha- you, you have that responsibility for that. Amen. So he says, look, so they have to have a good reputation. So character has to align with the responsibility. You can have good and bad in all walks of life, in all things in the world. But we need to look at the tree and see the fruit. Praise God. Then it says, not just a good reputation, just to be a waiter, not to be a teacher, not to be an evangelist, but just to be a waiter, to serve tables, the food on the tables, according to Acts chapter 6, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we go to a university institution, we get a qualification, we do diplomas here, we do certificates of the Word of God. Yes, that's information. But what validates that information is the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives meaning to what we learn, that we can translate it in our actions, in our way of life. Because without the Holy Spirit, what we learn, we can't put it into practice. It's like having a car and no petrol or no oil in the engine. You just burn up. We need the oil and the pressure of the presence of the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and meaning. Then we can really see, we can actually acknowledge who Jesus is, his identity, because his identity is our identity. Because we're created in the image and likeness of God. Is that not what the Bible says? Amen? And so we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we're not, we're not sure about things, be still, pray, notice God, and invite him into our lives to make the difference. And that's what's happening with Chris's life, with uh, Rivers, with all of your lives. That you're inviting the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And when God comes in your life, he wants to set you on a course, a direction. You need, sometimes your plans you made 10 years ago are different from the plans that God will make today. I didn't plan to be here today in, in 2024 ministering the word of God. I had different plans in my life. But God sideswiped me. He took the rock from under my feet, pulled me over, turned me inside, upside down, and said, this is the course I want you to take. And I said, but I've got other agendas. I've got other plans. Said, you want to serve me or you want to serve yourself? You want to serve something eternal or something temporal? You can have, you serve me, you can have everything else. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else would be added unto you. I don't lack anything in my life. I'm still involved in every activity in life with the sports activity, for everything I do. I don't like it, but I do it with joy because central to it is God's essential to uphold us and keep us up. So whatever, whatever storms that we were sharing about the storms last week we encounter, we know God is going to navigate us through the storms to get us to where we need to be, not where we want to be. And that's why they said that, David says that all this is my shepherd. I shall not want because I want to follow him. What better place is to be than to follow God, an eternal path, eternal purpose. There's nothing like it. Nothing's comparable with God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he says, full of the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? The wisdom, the wisdom is a part of the package having the Holy Spirit. It's natural to be wise in the Spirit. Without the Spirit, there's foolishness. But with the Spirit, it's natural to be filled, to be spiritual. And so that's why we put people in different positions. And those positions are not just static, just there indefinitely God has a plan for them but that's an opportunity for for you to show God yes Lord I'm serving you in this capacity then God opens other doors for you and gives you other responsibilities that because by virtue of the fact that you've been faithful in the little things 
and you've been responsible in the little things God gives you, different responsibilities, praise God. But as I said, everything is important from the small to the big. Everything is important in God. And so we need to have that attitude. And so they, he, he, they single out seven at that time, yeah? And, and the, the, I, would just, I want to just speak about some of them just, just for the sake for, for tonight. And verse 4 reads as follows. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So everyone has their part and their role. But what the apostles were doing was nothing different to what they experienced themselves. I wish I'm speaking to someone. You see, before they became ministers of the word, they were waiters. And they were not only waiters, they were dustmen as well. They picked up rubbish. Ah. You see, when the 5,000 men plus women and children followed Jesus in the wilderness and they were hungry, Jesus said, feed them. What do we, we've got nothing to feed them. He says, well, look, what do you have? He said, five loaves of, of bread and two fish. He said, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Because less is more for God. We think by the abundance of things, that's what sustains us. No, less is more with God sometimes. Sometimes God can make more of a little thing than we can make with a big thing. Yeah. So he says, what do you, come here, tell him to sit down in rows of 50s and 100s. Okay, how's this going to work out? See, we try to second guess God sometimes, and that's where we get it wrong. We try to think ahead of God, God and we, we, put, we put blockages and barriers as to, and limitation as to what God can do in our lives and in the world. And God has said, Take, stop thinking. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have this mind which was also in Christ Jesus. So stop trying to second-guess me and think on my behalf. Stop trying to think on God's behalf. Because what you cannot do, God can do. Yeah? So they sat in the rows, and they said, all right, what do we do? He blessed the fish and blessed the bread, and he said, now you serve them. What? Can you imagine today these big ministries, these big pastors, name pastors, to now start going out and, and, and giving serving people the food and all day long they'll have others do, the, do it for them but he said you go and feed them you want the miracles go and feed them you want the divine outcome you serve because that's laying the foundation for your future that's laying the profound foundation the miraculous is taking place as a result of your servitude and they served can you imagine the time scale it takes to feed 5,000 men plus women and children all day long? 12 apostles, maybe a few helpers at the same time with them to assist them. And they're no sooner finished feeding the 5,000 men and women. And no sooner they finish. And Jesus gives them the next command, instruction. Now, go and pick up every piece of rubbish and don't leave anything. Go to waste. They started with five bread, two fish, and they ended up with 12 baskets, one for each of them. To remind them, it's distri equally distributed amongst the 12 to remind them the responsibility and what it entails to be a servant of Jesus, a servant of God, and to be called in ministry. Because those baskets were, were not light baskets, they were heavy baskets. And sometimes the responsibilities that God gives us and we'll give to Chris and to, and to anyone else who dares to step over into serving God. It's not small responsibility. It's a big, heavy burden responsibility that takes tenacity, takes commitment, takes sacrifice, takes selflessness 
to serve the purpose of God. Ah. And they said, while you do all this, why are we going to call, you're going to serve the tables, Acts 6, 4, it says, we're going to pray. Because you let, what by, by supreme forcing, supporting the purpose of God, you allow prayer to be released. And prayer changes things. Prayer changes situations. Spiritual climate and all these things changes things. And verse 5 says this. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and, of the, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, Stephen was the first martyr. He was ordained to serve God. And because he was ordained, the world hated him. And sometimes you will not be popular when you're serving God. People frown upon you. People look down upon you. People reject you. And sometimes go further, persecute you in sense. But he says he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Then he had Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Demon, Permenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, and verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, and verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the multitude of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And look what's happened. Just by virtue of these seven men coming to be obedient to God, accepting the responsibility, being prayed for, being anointed, many people came. And as a result, when someone is put into responsibility, it gives others opportunity to come to God. And for their lives to change, which is very, very important. Faithfulness does a lot of powerful things, breaks strongholds down, which is so, so amazing. Praise God. Hallelujah. But there's an attitude that goes with it. It's the mind attitude. Because today, it's not, it's not the in thing today. It's not fashionable today, really, to have a relationship with God. It's not fashionable. Everything is anti-having a relationship with God. And you're beat down, you're beaten down. You can't say this, you can't say that, you cannot hold your beliefs. You can't. Everyone can believe what they want, but if we come out and say, we serve the purpose of God, people don't like it. It's, it's uncomfortable because Christ has always made people feel uncomfortable because he's the light of the world. Hallelujah, praise God. And he's changing darkness into light. Oh, it's powerful. Yeah, and that's what God wants to do. And he wants to use every one of you. He says, you are the light of the world. Do your good works before men that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. And as we serve, and as we serve the purpose of God, our Father in heaven is glorified, which is so powerful, so profound. And other people have an opportunity to move on and their lives to change. And so much we need today, people, to have a God-centeredness. Yeah, to feel the presence of God. I don't know if you know, it's tangible, God is, God is an experience as well. Unfortunately, religion has hijacked faith. And it's all about information, rites, rites, and ceremonies, but it's not about relationship and personal connection with God. There's always what, humanity always wants to have a mediator before God and man. So you've got to go through between a middleman, and that's translated in everyday business and things like this. Everyone, there's always a middleman in between everything. But God, through Christ, has taken the middleman away, and we go directly to God. And that's our role as deacons, as ministers, as servants, to bring people personal relationship with God, that they can experience him in a personal way, praise God. Hallelujah. And there is more 
to the word of God that meets the eye, but religion keeps it away. You can't. It keeps telling you what you cannot do. I wish I'm speaking. You get this when you get home. I'm telling you, you get this when you get home. Religion always tells you what you cannot do. And that's taken from the Old Testament mindset that says, thou shalt not. Yeah, you work it out. Thou shalt not. It's all the time the, the religion, legalism is always telling you what you cannot do. But what Christ does, it, it disqualifies that, changes it. Now Jesus says, no, it's not now the Old Testament, thou shalt not. Now Jesus says, now you come to me. In the Old Testament, you couldn't come to God. You had to go for mediation. You had to go for the priesthood, the high priest. There was Baris, there's the Talmud, the Mishnah, all these, all these teachings that block your passage coming to God. Jesus has taken them all out of the way. How has he done that? By renting the, temp, the curtain in the temple of the Holy of Holies from top to bottom. And what God did, he stepped out from behind the curtain and met you on a personal basis. That's the God that we serve. That's what Jesus teaches us. Because when he rose on the third day, the, 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 the tombs were open, and the dead saints who died in the old were able to step out of the graves. He gave us permission to step out of darkness into light. Gave us permission to step out of death into life, praise God. Gave us permission to come out of the conflict into the peace and love of God. That's the permission. That's what the resurrection speaks about, praise God. Hallelujah. Which is so profound, amazing. We're looking forward ahead to the Easter play uh, coming up. On the, on the Good Friday and, uh, and Easter Sunday, which is amazing, profound, because we're coming from darkness to light. It's powerful, because when the, God created the heavens and the earth, he begins with night, then day. The, if we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it says here. Darkness. And before Jesus comes into the world and into people's life, we're in a place of darkness. He says, then God, oh no, verse 2, sorry, verse 2. He said, uh, this verse this says, that the earth was without form and void, empty. And we see so many people broken around our lives today. They're, they're, they're empty, they're void, they're formless, there's darkness, there's despair, there's depression, oppression, hopelessness, helplessness is the order of the day. All the time you can't, you can't, you can't. You can't get out of your problem. And when you try, they beat you down at the same time. And Jesus says, I've taken the lid, and not only I've come down to lift you up. And that's what Jesus came to do, lift us up out of our turmoil, out of our oppression, and so forth. Darkness, and, and it says, and, and there was darkness on the face of the deep. And Jesus, it starts with darkness, but praise God, take courage, because light is coming. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And that's the role of the ministry, to go into the situations and allow God to speak, say something into their lives. In verse 3, it says, and God said... Let there be light. And there was light. That's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Yeah. So we are called to be lights. It's not our light, but we reflect the light of God into the world. It's very important. But how can you reflect something you don't know? You've got to know him. You build that relationship. Religion cannot give you that relationship. You've got to work it yourselves through the word of God. Your own personal connection with the Lord. And everyone is in a different place in their journey. But we've got to be on that journey to be, be beneficiaries of the relationship with God. Because God loves you so much. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he's coming. He's given us life. And that in more abundance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me just go back to Acts chapter 6. Verse 
So this is what we're talking about. This is the role of servitude to bring the light. Go into the room and brighten the room. Don't go into the room and absorb the light. Go into the room and lighten the room, praise God. And so we see this. Let me just go back to the seven. Let me just go back to verse four and then go to verse five. So the, the apostles pray, and then verse 5 says this, and, they, and the same please the whole multitude, and they chose Stephan, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And the word Stephan means crown. And as we serve God, we receive the crown of glory, praise God. Philip means the word for Philip Ibon, which means a horse, power. That you run in serving God. He was the one who, who later on moved on in evangelical capacity and caught up with the eunuch on his chariot when he heard him reading the book of Isaiah. So God empowers you to serve, to be consistent in serving God. And he spoke to the eunuch, and as a result of that conversation, that eunuch believed and was baptized and took the gospel into Ethiopia. And everything transformed, then everything changed. Then we have... Uh, Horos, which speaks about the chorus, singing and praising God. You know, and when we're in a place of responsibility in serving God, we need to be singing and worshipping. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord, welcome young men, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. Yeah, so sing. When you don't know what to do, just praise the Lord. If you don't know words, just hum it. Just say, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Sing to praise God. The next word is nikanon, which means victor, victorious. When we're going to serve God, God gives us the victory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I'm more than a conqueror. That's what Paul tells us. So as you grow and serve God, you're praising him. He gives you the victory, empowers you. And the word demon means to be humble. Humility, we do that from a place of humility, not arrogance, not pride, but we're humble, praise God. And, and God, is, God is doing so many, so many things in and through our lives, praise God, which is so amazing, hallelujah. Let me move on to verse 6 and then verse 7. So they prayed, and we're going to pray on Sunday for our brother and co-worker, and I'm praying for all of you, we're praying for all of you that God will empower you, bless you, give you peace, uh, give you victory, that you'll have a joy that no one can take away, praise God, amen. Verse 7, very quickly. And so, and as a result of that, we're, we are seeing revival in this nation and around the world through, through the ministry, and that's how purpose is to bring other people into the joy, the peace, and give them purpose and meaning in life beyond the limitations that the world puts upon people, yeah? Verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And that's what I'm saying. He was ordained, and as a result of that, God empowers him. He does things beyond his limitation. So you don't have to be qualified. What God wants from us is our availability, yeah? And he adds the rest. He just wants an emptiness in ourselves that he can fill, and then he will do the rest. But you need to give him the permission to enter your life and be enthroned in your life. You've got to give him that permission. God never forces himself on you. The world continually forces, yeah, continually 
tries to take you by force, but God invites. That's why we're told in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, which is oftenly quoted out of context sometimes, because this is directed to supposedly the church, not to the non-believer. And it says there, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, so he knocks. He doesn't force the door open. He knocks and he waits to be invited to enter. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And so he stands up, so he never forces himself, and he doesn't climb in, other, in any other way. He doesn't break into your life and take you hostage or take you prisoner. He wants you to invite him into your life, praise the Lord. Because that's not real free will, because if he forces himself on you, it's not your free will exercising that, praise God. Amen. Let me just come back to my verse. I was just reading Acts very quickly. So if, if you want to do great exploits in God, allow him space. Allow him permission. Let him enthrone your praises. And you will see things that you've never, ever seen or experienced before. I'm telling you, God is amazing. It's the greatest adventure. God takes you on the greatest adventure you will never experience in the world. He'll give you a high that the world cannot give you in the spirit, which is amazing. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be full with the Holy Spirit. Is that not so? Amen. And look as a result of what's taking place here. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, verse 9 says this. Then, then there rose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedom, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those of Caesarea and Asia disputing with, with Stephen. And don't be surprised if people will disagree. It's not a problem. You just trust yourself to God. Amen. That's very, very important. But it cannot happen unless you are fully in yourself. You're, you're fully committed in your heart. The, that's very, very important in serving God. So this is really directed to everyone, but more specifically to those who want to take a responsibility in the house of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, this is what Paul tells us, and this is the attitude we need to have. Amen? We need to be spiritual warriors. Yeah? You need to be, spir- you need to be tenacious, and you need to be fully armed with the armor of God. And he says, Paul tells the Corinthian church this. In fact, the Corinthian church were an, a, a group of people that always, sometimes they didn't cross the T's and dot the I's, but God still loved them. But this is what it comes to conclusion to say to them is this, is this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So when you're in your serving God, whatever you are as a Christian, as a, in ministry, whatever the case is, do not trust or lean on your own imagination. Yeah, don't just try to win an argument and then lose the war. Be sensitive to God's leading and God's wisdom. Do not lean on your own understanding. Hallelujah, praise God. So he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not kind of a mighty God for pulling down strongholds. It's what God is doing through our lives. We cannot pull any stronghold down. We cannot change any situation. We cannot perform any miracles. Unless God is in the equation, we are hopeless and helpless. So we've got to fully trust ourselves over to God. Then he says this, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exhorts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it's the mind, how we think, determines how we progress and how we move forward. And then he says, verse 6, says this. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So it's the warfare is in our mind. So we need to just trust ourselves to God and let God really take the, take the reins and lead us on our spiritual journey, which is very, 
very important. We've got to be sensitive to the voice of God. Now, how are we sensitive to the voice of God? Through what means? Prayer. Through reading the word of God. Everything we need is here. This is the most important book in the universe. This book here is the most, it's got the answer to every life's challenge. Is in this. It's the Holy Spirit that knows, that gives us the wisdom how we, we navigate it. Because in ourselves, we become limited. We can wrongly put, connect the dots. But when we're in God, he, got, he navigates us. He leads us and guides us to know exactly what, where everything should go at the right time in the right way. Praise God. So I'm asking you now over the weekend to prepare for spiritual battle because you're going to prevail. You're going to move forward. And God is going to be central and leading the way. Praise God. It's not man. It's God. Because if it's man, we're hopeless and helpless. But with God, all things are possible unto those who believe. And I'm going to finish you with the last few thoughts in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And I'm going to just let you reflect on these for the weekend. And this is for everyone, not just for those being ordained or coming to ministry, for everyone to embrace these next few verses. This is what Paul says. And we're living at such times that we need really to embrace this and make it a reality for ourselves personally. It says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Yeah. So your foe is not any individual, any person. Our enemy is not, not people because once we were also in a place that we were always resisting God. So it's not the person. It's the spiritual climate, the spiritual vibration around us. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Preparation to move forward. How do we address this? How do we respond to this? Well, verse 13, Paul tells us clearly what we need to do. Therefore, he says, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is the armor of God? He says, Take up the, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So he, he defines the armor of God in Roman dress, soldier's dress. But what is the armor truly the armor of God for us? It's putting on Jesus Christ. He says, put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And we need to put on Christ. Let Christ be established in us. Changes everything. And then he defines the different parts of the armor. He says in verse 14, he says this, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Truth must be the foundation our Christian lives are built and based upon. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Deception and truth cannot coexist if you're basing your life on errors, false, things that are false, you will not stand. The foundation will crumble. He says, build your house on the rock. What is the rock? Jesus Christ. And what is Jesus Christ? The truth. And, and when he says to the Samaritan woman, you worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. Through me, you worship the Father. You cannot come to the Father except through me. So, uh, so our armor must be founded on truth. Gird your loins with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, have a righteous disposition, your heart. You need to see, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that's, our heart, our heart must be cleansed. 
our attitude of our heart. No bitterness must be found in, roots of bitterness must be found in the heart. Yeah? So we have to uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And again, reflection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. And we put on Christ. Amen. Praise God. And, and, and that's, that's what it begins in the heart. So if there's any issues in the heart, allow the Lord to, to transform within. It begins within ourselves. Yeah? Because the breast, the plate covers the heart. And you know in the tabernacle, the first furnishing or piece of furniture that was given instructions to build in the, build in the ark of the, uh, the tabernacle was the, ark, was the ark of the covenant, which is the heartbeat of, 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 of the tabernacle of God. And it, God begins with our hearts, transforms our heart, purest, pureness of heart. That's what God wants. And it's about process. We need to go through a cleansing, catharsis, to cleanse the heart that we can see clearly, spiritually clearly, praise God. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And the people of God are peacemakers. You all should be peacemakers. We are all peace. We're not troublemakers. We're peacemakers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God or children of God, whatever you, however you want to translate it. And that's, that's a characteristic of the people of God. We're not, we don't put fuel on the fire. We extinguish the fire. We put the water of the Spirit on the fire to extinguish the fire. We don't create the problem. We resolve the problem. We're conflict resolution in the things of God. So you prepare, he says, assure your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That where we go, where we tread, we want to be peacemakers. Hallelujah. Praise God. And not only peace, so a peace that surpasses understanding. Hallelujah. Next verse very quickly. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we need the shield. Our faith is our safeguarding. Our belief in God empowers us and deflects the onslaught of the, of the, of the ammunition of the enemy. That shield stands in, around us and protects us from demonic powers and demonic advances. Hallelujah. Praise God. Very important. So faith has to be developed. And if we haven't got the faith and our faith is not that strong, we need to lean on to the teachings of Paul. He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, how do we grow our faith? How do we increase our faith? How does faith come in us to give us that strength to safeguard us? He says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The tabloids? No. Gossip? No. Criticisms? No. Hearing what? The word of God, what you're doing now is helping you. Something's happening mystically within your, your inner person, helping you develop and grow, helping you to think about more pros and more about your mortality, your position in the world, your position with God, your position with each other. Helps you grow. When you listen to the word of God, it's a challenge of the word of God to help us grow and become transformed. Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you're not sure about the shield of faith, being your word, and that shield of the faith becomes stronger, becomes empowered to safeguard you from the onslaught, the advances of the enemy, from the flood that comes against us. God will put a standard against him if we are, are prayerful and increasing our faith, praise God. God does amazing things. Let's come back to our verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and then verse 15. This is also very, very important. All the items on the armor are defensive. This is the only part of the, uh, let me just go to the next uh, 16. This is the only 
item of the armor, which is an offensive item that comes against. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the, of the wicked one, verse 17, and taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the sword of the spirit is this. Be versed in the things of God. Don't neglect your reading, even if it's one verse a day. Just read one verse. I can tell you something. You can look at one verse, and it will take you the whole day to really grasp it. Take the whole year. It can take you a lifetime to understand one verse. Yeah? To just a verse. Just say, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Just go very quickly here. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It can take your lifetime to come to the full grasp of an understanding what Paul and what the Spirit is actually saying in this one verse. What does it mean, do not become be transformed uh, uh, by the neuron of your mind? What's, what's all this about? You, there's different layers of understanding, levels of understanding this particular verse to empower us, to equip us, to help us move forward. It's powerful. So I want to encourage you tonight, everyone, if you're first time here, God bless you. And first time watching a live stream, God bless you. But I pray you, you put yourself in a position that you say, here I am, Lord, use me. I want, to, I want to make the difference, not just in the world, but in my life, because it begins with us. Because before you can serve outwardly, inwardly, you've got to receive. You cannot be a teacher unless you can, you're a student, yeah? You cannot be a leader unless you're leading. It, it's the divine uh, a paradox, if you like, yeah? Praise God. So I want to invite the praise team to come up on this.